Hello, and welcome to My Therapist's A Witch. My name is Elizabeth, and I am a somatic psychotherapist in training, and I'm currently working towards my licensure. I'm also a witch, and this is a place where I lean into quite a lot of vulnerability, and I discuss my experience as a person with ADHD, PMDD, and complex PTSD amongst my spiritual practice and other topics that arise. Today, I was inspired by a dear friend who reached out to me with a couple of questions. And these questions brought up a lot in me that I really wanted to take some time to speak to. The first question was pertaining to fear and the curiosity around, am I too embodied? Now, as a highly sensitive person myself, I have definitely had moments where I think that way. And when I sat with that question, a couple of things arose in my own body. And the first one is, I'm quite aware that currently, given the state of the world, that there are a lot of folks out there who are experiencing a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. And I think it can be normal to want to ignore our fear or move away from the fear or move into a more cognitive place of how do I get rid of this fear? What do I need to do in order to get out of it? And at least in my perspective and my practice, both in my spiritual and in my somatic work, I think fear is often a part inside of us that is going unmet and that really needs our company. And the physical sensations that accompany fear and anxiety, I, they are quite unpleasant. I have experienced them often, I know. That I think because they are unpleasant and we often live in a culture that does not teach us how to be with discomfort, that we cut off our body's natural way of moving through our fear and anxiety. So I thought I could share with you a little practice that I do when I'm noticing that I'm in fear. So I invite you to take a few moments, allowing your body to naturally begin to ground and settle, noticing how your body has weight and your body breathes. And so for me, when I notice that sensation of anxiety or fear in my body, usually I can tell where it's beginning in my body. So fear for me really begins often in my chest. And so I move my awareness to that home of fear. And I invite the sensation of fear fully into my awareness. 
And often the sensation gets a little worse. It can increase in intensity. There can be a tightening. There can be a pressure. Really, whatever that sensation is for you, even if it is unpleasant, see if you can find a place inside of yourself where you can really be with that feeling for a moment. And if it's too much, ground, feel into your feet. But if you can be with this feeling, and this is what I do at this point, is that as I'm in consciousness of my sensations, I'm noticing that there is a part of me that is watching this experience. Almost like I am sitting by a river and the river is running by and the sensation in my body is that river. And so with this little bit of distance and awareness that I am not the fear, I find a greater capacity to be with it. And now in this moment, you may not get to this place, but for me, the more I invite that feeling of fear, the sensation, not the cognitive story, but the sensation into my body, and I'm watching it with awareness, and I'm meeting myself with compassion. Like in this moment, there is a part of me that's really afraid right now, and that's okay. That eventually I get to a place where the sensation starts to change, where it's not as intense as it was when I started. And it is as if I am allowing the fear to pass over me and through me. And when I allow that process to happen, when I ride the wave of my sensation and I don't cut myself off from it and I don't move into cognitive bypassing where I try to understand what's happening, when I'm simply with it, trusting my body, allowing it to do what it knows to do with this, there is always relief at the end. Now this is a practice and it does take time to develop. But from a somatic psychology perspective, looking at it kind of a, in a parts work frame, often the part of me that's the most afraid is a very young part inside of me. It's the little Elizabeth inside that can't quite understand what's going on in the world. And for me, this little part is beyond logic and reason. And it doesn't help her, my little one inside, to try to talk to her as an adult, to try to move her out of her feelings. And often if I do that, it, it makes things really bad. And sometimes I'm not perfect. I definitely do that. And she feels alone and scared even more. 
But when I can meet the little Elizabeth inside with my wise adult self that knows that simply being company, that simply being is enough, that there's something even inside of us when our consciousness and our parts meet, that a softening happens, an opening happens. And what I feel is that when I can do that, my little one inside feels comforted, can feel my wise adult self with her and knows, oh, I'm, I don't need to really worry about this because yeah, I'm too little and no one's expecting me to understand or deal with this. And it's as if my younger self is in the presence of an adult that is really calm and saying, I understand you're afraid right now and I got you. So for me, I don't think any of us are too embodied. Even if our body feels like chaos within sensation. And often I get curious if what feels bad or too much is really a part that has been alone for far too long and that the part is screaming for someone to help them. So transitioning a little bit, and perhaps now we're in a, a different space in our body, I feel like this practice and kind of way of being with ourselves is quite tied, at least for me, to my spiritual practice. And the way in which I have cultivated my beliefs, the way I practice, has been in support of a deeper relationship with myself. And this relationship has, uh, has been quite challenging at times to develop, given my history. And I definitely had a spiritual wound that I think in some ways I'm still working through. This dear friend who has inspired this inquiry or dive into my own consciousness a little bit here also asked me, how do we cultivate curiosity uh, within our spiritual path? And I think actually the, the fear in the body, the anxiety, and cultivating a spiritual path, I think, at least for me, I see them being very intertwined. So in my story, I grew up, uh, well, I was born into and a Seventh-day Adventist community. Both my parents were Adventists, and I grew up in a church for the most part. And now, a moment of humor and a bit of a fun fact, uh, Seventh-day Adventism is pretty culty, <laughs> actually. Um, I'm sure out there there are some lovely people who find great peace and purpose in that belief system. But for me, it wasn't. I remember being little and really feeling how vilifying my body was in this belief system because I was a girl and a girl turns into a woman and a woman is tempting 
and is inferior to a man. And I felt that. I felt that pressure. You know, there were folks at my church that the women dressed kind of like they were on Little House on the Prairie while the men were in Armani suits with Rolexes on. And I just thought, wow, this is so unfair, even as a little girl. And I would listen to people proselytizing about their relationship with Christ. And I remember one of my first thoughts being, wow, I wish I wasn't born into this so I could experience God. I wish I wasn't born in this so that I could experience God in the way that these people were talking about who were not born into it, who had somehow found their way. And that that was my parents' experience. They weren't born into this belief system, but they found it, and they, for a time, found it to be um, really nurturing for them. But for me, it wasn't. You know, I was very different. I was attracted to things that I was taught were bad or naughty or evil, for that matter. And within that culture, I learned that my body was bad, that my desires were bad, and that the things that I really thought and felt were evil, that it was Satan coming and tempting me because if it wasn't guiding me towards Christ, it was evil and bad. And so I felt like I was walking around with this secret for a long time of like, man, I must just be an evil person because, you know, I don't align with this stuff that is being told to me. And also, just to honor, uh, my life was really restricted. There were a lot of rules. There were a lot of limitations, things you weren't allowed to do, things you couldn't do people you couldn't be with. It was so tight and controlling. And I got to a point where I just kind of collapsed under the pressure. And I just started rebelling. I just knew that this, this isn't right for me. And when you're told that this is the only ticket into heaven is this belief system, that's a terrifying awareness to have as a young person, that I don't actually believe in this. Wow, I guess I am really going to hell. And, you know, I think for many folks who are raised in a Christian um, belief system, who eventually find themselves pulling out of it, that there is a trauma there. Because everything you have been told your entire life to believe, how to think, how to feel, you're revolting against that. So as I fully stepped out of that Christian dogma, there was a period where I kind of was flirting with witchcraft. I was kind of flirting with Buddhism. I was kind of flirting with um, different belief systems. I was, I was trying to find myself. I was trying to find my spiritual home. I eventually had a moment, and maybe I'll talk about this at some point, 
But for me, it was a total awakening moment where I felt like I was in the presence of something far greater than me. And I remember this sensation of peace just washing over my entire body, a peace that I had never felt before. And at least for me, that experience coupled with that feeling, at least in my body, it was interpreted as coming into the presence of the divine. After I had that experience, it wasn't like, oh, boom, you know, like, this is my belief system now and, and we're all good. Like, that's not quite what happened for me. And in fact, I became a little terrified because now I had had this experience that was so divergent from anything that I had been told as a child. And now I, ha- I was consciously moving out of that training, of that programming that I had been told. It was really hard because... There was still a little voice inside of me that was like, well, what if you're wrong? (laughs) Like, you know, like a little voice inside my head going, well, what if, what if Christ is real? And what if when you die, he's going to be real angry and disappointed in you? And it took me a really long time to get to a place where I realized that if a God was similar to Christ in that way, that had that much judgment, that that had had that much um, narrow-mindedness to be like, this is the only pathway to me. And yeah, you may have felt me, but you know, if you don't call me by this name and if you don't worship me in this way, sorry, you're out. And I just thought, wow, that's the most ungodly thing ever. And when I came into that, I realized, well, if that's true, if that even if that is true, I do not want to be with that type of being for eternity. This is now tying a little bit <laughs> into psychotherapy and my training. Um, one of the most healing presence you can have as a psychotherapist is the presence of curiosity. Judgment and criticism, in my perspective, have no, have no right being in the therapeutic space at all. But curiosity, that's a powerful tool. And it's a powerful tool because the more curious you are, the more of the other is revealed unto you. The more curiosity you bring the more trust and safety is created within the therapeutic space. And so as I was in my spiritual moment of grappling with my beliefs of God and and having had this profound divine experience and now consciously moving out of these structures that I had been told and leaning into things that I had frankly been told were evil and bad, I carried myself like I would carry one of my clients. I carried myself with curiosity. I remember when I first started doing moon rituals that I was quite terrified that I was going to summon a demon or something like that. I mean, 
you know, that's that Christian programming coming in. And I, I was quite afraid of, oh, whoa, what if I open this door and then I can't close it? What if something awful happens? What if my life gets worse? Like all the story I had been told as a kid. And again, I was sitting on my porch and I felt that fear and anxiety in my body. And in that moment, I could witness that there was a part of me watching this happen. And a part of me that which was much wiser than the parts of me that were coupled in the fear that just had this sense of it's going to be okay. Like even if it's not okay, it's going to be okay. And this position that my consciousness was in or this voice in my head just was like, well, your life's not great now, <laughs> so what do you got to lose? And so I leaned into the fear, and I followed my joy at the same time. And I remember that night in particular when I was able to allow that fear to pass over me and through me, and I consciously moved into what would develop into a core piece of my practice that again, I felt in the presence of the divine. I felt held by something far greater than myself. And it was again, one of the most spiritual experiences that I had ever had and that I had never experienced in a church. And so as I started to move more into my practice of cultivating it, of exploring my beliefs, I just stayed curious and I invited a bit of play into it because for me, play was never a thing that was welcomed in a church. In fact, you were expected to grow up pretty quickly. And so I started doing all the things that the younger part of me had always wanted to do, you know, like dancing naked under the moonlight, stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, lighting a bunch of candles and sitting in a circle, you know, casting spells, things like this. And it started to have a very interesting effect on my life where my life started to get better. <laughs> and granted, I was doing a lot of other things that were also adding to my life, but this was bringing such a rich color to everything that it was making my life now fun to live in. And now I had a place, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before, but now I had a place within my spirituality where all the bullshit of the world could not touch me, where my symptoms from my PMDD my complex PTSD and my ADHD just weren't present because there were no rules, there were no restrictions, there was nothing I needed to memorize or do something in a certain way. It was a freedom to commune with the divine in the way that felt right to me, in the way that opened up my body to it, and in the way that I felt that peace peace that is often not present in our everyday life and out in the world. Something that's starting to 
come up for me are the many ways in which growing up in a Western belief system, how those patterns still affect me to this day. And a huge, a huge thing that I am in noticing of, and I am currently in consciousness trying to break that pattern, is the pattern of over-explaining myself, over-justifying my beliefs, trying to get other people to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And I notice when I do that, a lot of anxiety starts to kind of arise in my body. You know, like the fear starts to come in that tells me, wow, these people must think I'm crazy. Um, like if I'm into this, they like I they must think X, Y, and Z of me. And, you know, kind of in witchy uh, communities, you know, there's the conversation of coming out of the broom closet, so to speak. And, and for me, it was sort of like I flew the door open and then I kind of just stood in it, <laughs> right? I just, the door was open. People could see I was in there, you know, with my room and my hat, but I wasn't quite ready to, you know, walk out of it. And I noticed that I was moving myself towards people that didn't get it, that didn't understand it. And there was this like almost uh, need for me to get like get them to understand it, to get them to realize that this is working for me, that this is great for me and blah, blah, blah. And when I noticed that pattern, I realized that no amount of explaining or talking about it with these people would ever give me what I actually wanted from them, which was for them to believe me. And I remember confiding in, in a dear friend. I love her so much. Uh, we align. We even have the same name. So um, in many ways, I, I feel a twinship there. And... I remember sharing sort of this hurt that I was carrying attached to my spiritual practice and my identity as a witch that was emerging and coming forward. And she just said, well, what if you just were like, fuck them? <laughs> and, and there was something about the sharpness of that that hit me in a way that broke through all the patterning that had happened in my youth. And then she said, what matters is that you believe in it. And what matters is that you like it. Like it doesn't matter if Joe Schmo believes that this rock has a certain vibration that then has this effect or quality on the body or your spirit or soul. What matters is that you find comfort from it. What matters is that it helps you. And I realized in that moment that I was anticipating judgment. I was anticipating criticism and judgment from all the people around me, particularly the people that I knew did not share in my beliefs. And when I noticed that, I realized looking back how I had become defensive how I had started to become quite sharp 
and how I was hurting myself in that process. I was hurting myself because I was anticipating judgment and criticism, which was starting to activate my body, get it ready to fight. And then I no longer was open to the other person. And in fact, I had just shifted the paradigm that I had been raised in, where Christians are like, you know, everybody else is bad, only we are good. I was flipping it to where all Christians are bad. <laughs> and I realized that's not, that's not going to change anything. That's not going to make me feel good. That's not going to free me. You know, Maya Angela, Angelo has a quote, um, and I don't have it up, so I think I'm really going to butcher this, but it's something along the lines of, um, like, nothing human can be alien to me because I am human. And so when I, again, noticed this, and I'm sitting in the presence of my dear friend, also receiving just how grounded she, she is in her stuff, how she doesn't care if people think she's crazy, how she doesn't give a shit if people don't like what she does. She's like, I don't need them present for it. And it liberated me. It liberated me to release the judgment and the fear of criticism. It liberated me to let go of that story that all Christians are bad. And it liberated me to dive deeper into my spiritual practice just because I liked it. And that that was reason enough to keep going and to keep doing it. I often feel this to be true, that my liberation liberates. And in that moment, speaking with my friend, being in the presence of her spiritual liberation, it liberated me. I don't think there's any wrong or right way to spirit, to a deeper relationship with yourself, or to just a greater sense of peace, as long as it doesn't infringe on another. If it's just for you, then do it. If it works for you, then try it. If you're curious about it, then lean into it. And I noticed that when I liberated myself in that way to my spiritual practice of really owning who I am and how I show up in the world, that more of myself started to come online and I started to really get a sense of who I am. For me, I felt like for the majority of my younger life, really for most of my life, <laughs> that I had to wear a mask, that I had created this sort of false self just to be able to get through life, just to be able to have my needs met. And that creation of the false self really started to happen within the church that I was raised in. There were people that I did not like. There were people that I did not want touching me. There were people that in fact, made me so angry to be around, but I had to swallow all those feelings and make nice. I had to be respectful. I had to be humble. And 
these people who I was told really love me hurt me because they weren't seeing me and they weren't listening to me. And I think when we start as folks who have been raised in a Christian doctrine and we start to leave it, we start to go, this isn't for me, and we move out, not only do we have to contend with our relationship to God, but we also have to contend with our relationship to ourself because that journey is also a journey of shedding all of the false that we have had to carry and that it's terrifying. It's terrifying to think that who you think you are, you're not. And at least in my process, I really clung to my false self for a while. Like, damn, I'd worked really hard to build that up, you know? And damn, I, it got me a lot of what I needed. It got me a lot of what I wanted. And it was terrifying to let go of it. It was terrifying to think, oh my gosh, my entire world might get flipped upside down. But when I finally let go of it and my body moved into my true self, I became so much happier. I became so much more grounded in my purpose. And even though I go through hard things, there's a resilience there because I'm not facing those hard things from a farce where I can't actually say, yeah, these things are really hard. When I'm in my true self, I get to cry. I get to acknowledge these things are really hard. I get to be a mess. And in that, within my true self, I move through and past my suffering. And every time I do this consciously, every time I lean into the terror that's in my body, I notice more. My awareness widens. And I realize I have so much more capacity than I ever thought this body could hold. Like I said, when we move into this process of healing that spiritual wound, of perhaps the story of, I'm not spiritual, I'm not Christian, I'm agnostic or whatever, but you realize inside of yourself that there's a channel, there, there's, there is a spiritual need inside of you. And now if, if you're a bit more cerebral, perhaps this channel was opened in me from some neural pathway because I was literally given, you know, the Jesus juice from the beginning. <laughs> I was literally told there is a heaven. I was literally told there's a devil and a Christ. I was literally told that there is something beyond this life. And maybe that, while I was developing as a child, opened something inside of me that is just always going to be open. But regardless of how it was developed or where that need comes from, I have a spiritual need. And that when I don't provide for that need, or when I ignore it, or I try to bypass it with other things, disorder starts to happen in my body, where now the fear and the chaos of the world hits me, and I, I'm not quite at full 
power to be able to process it. And so for me, recognizing that I have a spiritual need and that I need to have a spiritual practice because that's what also fills up my battery in such a way that now I actually can sit with the overwhelming discomfort within my body. And my spiritual practice gives me purpose for doing that over and over and over again. I think as long as humans have been around, we've really tried to contend with suffering. Why do we suffer? Why is there so much suffering in the world? And I think, and this is a very vulnerable thing for me to say in front of a camera with a bunch of people listening, but I will say this because this has brought me the most comfort as I have also faced my trauma. And that is that perhaps the reason why we must suffer is so that that part of you inside that can watch it happen, like I said, the part that can sit on the bank as the river goes by, what if suffering opens that part's awareness that it is God? What if the reason we suffer is so that God realizes who they are? Not the all the forms of God that has been labeled by cultures and society that is used to control people and harm people. What if it's just that divine feeling of peace? What if that is God? And so if my suffering brings me into that experience of peace, then it gives me purpose to keep pushing on. But this is my story. This is the story I tell myself. And perhaps it's not your story. But maybe something that I've shared has awakened something inside of you so that you can come to your story, so that you can move on your own path. And I think that's one of the most fun and exciting things about being human is that when we listen to each other's stories, something inside of us awakens that brings us more into ourself and that guides us on our own unique path that has so many treasures for us to explore and discover. As always, I wanna thank you so much for being here and sharing this time with me. Most Recently, I have just been um, blessed with so many messages from people with encouragement and resonance, and it has really touched me. So thank you for those watching and listening who have seen the part in me that often goes unseen. What a gift you have given me. I wish that something that I said, maybe even just the way I said something, has landed in such a way that has brought you a little bit of comfort and a little bit of peace. I look forward to the next time we get to be together. And until then, 
Take care. Bye.